0: We're up to mitzvah number 105. This is a really interesting mitzvah, and that is to give an annual donation to the temple coffers of a half shekel, a half shekel every year as part of the national census, as part of the national fundraising efforts. There is a mitzvah applied to men over the age of 20, military age men, to give a half shackle once a year to the temple coffers. And this serves both as a form of census. You count the coins. You know how many military age men you have. And the money is also pooled together to be used to buy sacrifices for the nation. Now, this is a silver coin. And it's first mentioned in the book of Exodus. It's used in the wilderness as a proxy for the people. You cannot count the nation per capita. If you do that, the Torah tells us it unleashes a plague. We don't count Jews one, two, three, four per capita. In fact, David counted the people and he brought about a plague. Instead, everyone gives a coin and you count the coins and the coins serve as a proxy. If you know how many coins you have, you know the population size. Now, how much is a half shekel? Today, of course, in Israel, the currency they use is called the shekel. It's actually not the shekel. It's called the new shekel because they had in the 80s a big inflation problem. And they got rid of their currency. And they went instead with the new shekel, not the old shekel, and not the ancient lira. It's a silver shekel. It is somewhere between 7.1 and 8 grams of silver, which is about... A quarter of a troy ounce. And today a troy ounce of silver is about twenty dollars. It's dropped. And therefore, the half shot for coin is about five dollars worth of silver today. Now incidentally, even though we don't have a temple and we don't have temple coffers and we don't have this annual fundraising for the temple, the prohibition against counting Jews is still true. Today, we're not supposed to count Jews for any purposes. So, in fact, if you go to Shul and they need a minion, you don't count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten to determine if you have a sufficient quorum. Instead, what is commonly done, there's a verse that has ten words, and you say 10 words. You apply each one of those words on one of the participants in your potential minion. And by doing that, you determine if you have a sufficient quorum. Now, what is done with this money that is raised? It is given to the Kohanim, to the priests who oversee the temple and its coffers, and it's placed in the temple coffers, and it is used for public sacrifices. There are, of course, sacrifices done at the temple. Most of them, you would imagine by volume, are brought by individuals. If you're an individual There's a whole bevy of reasons why you could be required to bring a sacrifice. There are also optional voluntary sacrifices, but there's also public sacrifices offered by the entire nation. And this annual fundraising that provides the funds to be used for the entire year's worth of sacrifices, not only sacrifices, but other things needed for the temple and it's running and sacrifices. So, for example, salt. All sacrifices are salted. Salt today, of course, is very cheap. In antiquity, it was much more expensive. Where is the money used to buy the salt from? It's from this fund. The wood for the fires atop the altar are purchased from these funds. The showbreads on top of the table the barley offering on the second day of Pesach, the chametz offering, the Sh'te'a alechem of Shavuos, the red heifer. Of course, a red heifer is something that's needed for the entire nation. That is the primary ingredient used for the potion needed to render people who are ritually impure due to coming into contact with the dead to render them pure. You need a red heifer. The scapegoat for Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, there's Two identical goats. One of them is chucked off a cliff. That's the scapegoat goat. That is purchased with public funds. And then the crimson string. Now this list is courtesy of the Sever Chinuch, the book that we are using to navigate through the mitzvos. And he tells us that the crimson string is also used or was also purchased with this fund. Why do we need a crimson string? So he... So the commentary in the bottom tells us that there are a variety of reasons why you would need a crimson string. This is a, a wool string dyed red. He tells us that for the red heifer, the primary ingredient, of course, is the ashes of the red heifer. But in that fire, there's a bundle consisting of other things, including a strip of red wool. On Yom Kippur, the temple process protocols call for two red streams. One of them that is placed in the temple and one of them that is placed between the horns of the goat thrown off the cliff. Both of them would miraculously turn white to symbolize the Almighty's expiation of our sins. And again, those crimson streams are purchased with public funds. So we have a very interesting mitzvah every year Every adult male gives a coin, and that serves multiple purposes. It serves as a census to determine military age men. And the money is also pulled together to be used for public needs in the temple and sacrifices. Now, the Sefer Chinoch, in every mitzvah, he offers a reason why we have this mitzvah, or at least a perspective on this mitzvah. And he points out there's something really unusual about this. If you want to fundraise, so you you would imagine you'd be trying to get the maximum donation from every individual. So the rich people, maybe they could give a little bit more. The poor people, they could give a little bit less. But you would imagine you would try to get as much as you can from every individual. In this particular fundraising effort, it was a head tax. Everyone paid the same. This is not a progressive tax. The rich did not give any more. The poor gave no less. It was a head tax. Now, there was a separate fund that was used for the upkeep of the temple. And that was funded by donations of individuals. And everyone had a choice if you want to give and how much you want to give. That's a separate fund. This is a head tax. Everyone gives the same amount. So isn't that unusual? So the Sefer Chenech explains that God wanted to benefit the Jewish nation and wanted to make sure that everyone has a portion in the public sacrifices that are given every day, every week, throughout the year. There's an effort to create equality so that everyone has a hand, everyone has a portion in these communal mitzvot. If you give, you know, your your half Shachal coin. Again, today it's $5 worth of silver. It's not a lot of money. I imagine in antiquity, it was a bit more, you know, relative to people's income. But if you give a small amount, a nominal amount to the temple, we would imagine that you gain some benefit for it. You're after all contributing towards a mitzvah. But you would think, or we would think, we would speculate We would posit that the benefit that you accrue is equivalent to what you put in. So if you give a half shekel's worth of contribution towards this fund, then there's a certain half shekel value that you've contributed to the public, to the sacrifices, and there's one slice of all the efforts done by the public that is attributable to you. That's what we would have imagined. What the Sefer Chenech is telling us is that that's not how it works. What you get is not something which is equivalent to what you put in. That's not how it works. Everything that this fund provides, all the mitzvos that it provides, accrues to the benefit of all the people who contributed in. And therefore, every individual, you know, every day, there's the tamid sacrifices, the daily morning and afternoon sacrifices, a huge mitzvah, the extra sacrifices on Shabbos, all the other things that are done, all the mitzvahs done in the temple. Every individual who gives that small nominal donation has a part of this national effort. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, as he often does, he gives us a sampling of some of the mitzvos or some of the laws of this mitzvah. And he tells us that during the month of Adar, that's when they would do the fundraising effort. That's when they would announce it's time for everyone to contribute their half shekel. But what if someone is destitute? They are impoverished. They are really poor. And they don't have a half shekel. Even the poorest of the poor is obligated to make this contribution. And if you don't have the money, you borrow from someone else. Or you sell your garment that's upon you and use the proceeds to pay for it. An incredible thing. Everyone's got to be part of this mitzvah, but everyone can give only once. If you're rich and you have the ability to give a half a million half shekels, doesn't matter, you're entitled to give only once. And all adult males are obligated to give. And that's irrespective if they're a Cohen, a Levite, an Israelite, a convert. Everyone is obligated to give. The women and the children are not obligated to give, but if they want, they can. However, Gentiles, even though typically Gentiles can offer sacrifices in the temple, they're not allowed to contribute towards this fund. Now, this is applicable in temple times. Even in the diaspora. So if you lived in, I don't know, Babylon, Persia, it's very far away from the land of Israel. If the temple is extant every year, you have to send in your half shekel. And if someone does not do it, then they are excluding themselves from the nation. And it's a very dangerous thing. We want to be part of the whole. There's safety in numbers. There's definitely safety in the nation of Jewish people. And if someone departs from that, they're not included in the totality of the nation. And when all the benefits accrue to the nation and all the atonement brought about by these sacrifices comes to the nation, they are not included. It's a very dangerous thing. Now, even today, of course, we don't have a temple. We don't even have this whole system of the ancient shekel system. Nevertheless, there is a ubiquitous tradition to have some sort of remembrance of this mitzvah, you know, Purim time, they put a big bowl in the shul and everyone gives a half dollar. If you have a half dollar, you give a half dollar to remember and reenact this mitzvah. So that's the mitzvah number 105, the mitzvah, think of a half shekel every year towards the temple coffers. Now there's an interesting curiosity about this mitzvah. The mitzvah. Talmud tells us that although Moshe taught us all of Torah, there were certain things that Moshe did not understand. He didn't understand them when God described the mitzvah to him, and God had to show it to him. So, for example, in chapter 12 of Exodus, this is when we have the laws of the calendar. And, of course, the Jewish calendar orients around the lunar cycle. So whenever there's a a new moon, a new waxing crescent, that's when you have Rosh Chodesh. So God describes it to Moshe. What exactly is the shape of the crescent that symbolizes a new moon? And Moshe doesn't understand it. Until God takes Moshe outside and points to the moon and says, okay, when you see it like that, that's when you sanctify the new moon. In addition, we're told that when God told Moshe to construct the vessels of the temple, there was one of them he didn't understand and got it to show him, superimposed upon the mountain, a menorah made out of fire. The ark, no problem. The table, no problem. The inner golden altar, no problem. The menorah, mystifying to Moshe, God had to show him a picture of what that looked like. And finally, when God tells Moshe to do a census via these coins, everyone should give a half shekel silver coin. Moshe didn't know what it looked like. And they forgot to show him picture or an image of a fiery coin that weighed a half shackle and says, okay, this is what everyone has to give. Now this is of course a very mystifying idea. If everyone had a half shackle to give, you would imagine it was quite a common coin. And somehow Moshe doesn't know what it what it is, what it looks like, and got to show him a picture of a fiery coin. So obviously we are trained whenever we see an idea or a statement like this from our sages, we're trained to look at it a little bit more deeply. Now there's something even more curious about it, and that is that the the Zohar says that these three things that were beyond Moshe, he didn't understand it, are actually hinted to in his own name. Because Moshe, the way he spelled Moshe in Hebrew, is a mem and a shin and a hey, Moshe. And the Mem stands for Menorah, and the Shin stands for a Shekel, Moshe, and the He stands for HaChodesh, the month, the new moon. There's something about Moshe that kind of precludes him from understanding these three things, the Menorah, this half Shekel tribute, and the system of sanctification of the moon and organizing of the calendar. This is an interesting thing to ponder and an interesting curiosity about this mitzvah. But perhaps the understanding of why Moshe did not understand the half-shackle its not because he didn't know what the coin looked like. He wasn't able to connect with this mitzvah because of his own greatness. Well, let me explain what I mean. The Talmud points out that the Torah frames the mitzvah of offering or giving, contributing a half shekel to the Temple Kafars, The Torah frames it as, Lechaper al-Nafshoseichem, to atone for your soul. So every year, the fundraising call goes out. Everyone has to give a half-shekel coin, and that was done first in the wilderness for the Mishkan. And why was it done? To provide atonement. Why does the nation need atonement? So the Talmud offers two different reasons. Either it's atonement for the golden calf, or it's atonement for the sale of Joseph. There were two sins that our nation did. We worship the golden calf. And way back when, when the nation was just a family, it was just a small tribe, a bunch of the brothers sold their other brother, Joseph, as a slave. And these two sins need to be atoned for. And therefore the Almighty gives us this mitzvah of the half shackle. And by doing that, we atone for our soul. Ergo, perhaps we can say that Moshe was the one person That did not need an atonement. Of course, Moshe did not participate in the golden calf. He was in heaven getting the Torah. And therefore, regarding the one argument that this half shekel was to atone for the golden calf, well, Moshe is not part of that. He doesn't need that atonement. And therefore, to a certain degree, that this mitzvah is beyond him. He doesn't resonate with it. And if it is for the sale of Joseph, perhaps we can say that Moshe got his rectification. He personally atoned for his, so to speak, residual blame, if you will, for the sin of the sale of Joseph. When Moshe labored to make sure that the bones of Joseph are being restored and being brought brought back to the land, and therefore regarding that sin, Moshe also had achieved full atonement, and therefore, this half shackle was a bit mystifying to Moshe. But regardless, it's an interesting thing to note that our sages tell us that of all the mitzvahs, there are a select few regarding whom Moshe did not understand that this is one of the mitzvah number 105 to offer the half or to bring, to donate the half shackle coin once a year. There's another idea found in this half shekel mitzvah that I think is maybe representative of the, of the essence of this mitzvah. You know, if you had to make a donation to the temple, to the tabernacle, to God, shouldn't it be something substantial? Why is it a half shekel? Couldn't it be a whole shekel? Wouldn't that be more fitting to get something complete, not a half of something. So the commentaries say something fascinating. They say that one of the themes of this mitzvah is to teach us about unity. We're one nation. Every individual is incomplete, is only a half. And then for every individual, all they give is something which definitionally is incomplete to symbolize that only when we unite together and everyone contributes their half, their small portion, only then can we do amazing things together. The idea of counting people, it's dangerous. It causes a plague. Why? Because when you count individuals per capita, every individual is separated into, into a single standalone unit. One, two, three, four, etc. If everyone is an individual at any juncture in time that is separated from the whole, they're divided and they're standing alone as an entity separate from the rest of the nation, that creates a certain degree of divisiveness where everyone can be existing away from the rest of the whole. And that is dangerous because then that individual is for that moment separated from the nation. And when we kind of divide ourselves up and there's factions and factionalism and sectarianism and division, that's when we are vulnerable. So instead they use fungible coins Everyone gives the same amount. Everyone gives a half. And there's a certain degree of uniformity to symbolize that we're in this nation together. And of course, we're all unique, like organs in a body. Each one has their own independent function. But only collectively can we operate as a single whole. And then if we have these identical coins, and they're all half coins to symbolize that we rise and fall together. So that's mitzah number one oh five. It's a mitzah about fundraising. So of course it makes uh it makes everyone really excited because we all love fundraising the whole idea. It's so wonderful. But also about sacrifices and public sacrifices and public services, and of course, a proxy for a census. And this is mitzah number one oh five to give a half shackle towards the temple coffers every single year.